Welcome back Rebels to another episode of Isolation, a mini-series from Creative Rebels where we talk to the creatives behind the cameras. In this episode I talk to Alex Stroll, an outstanding outdoor and adventure photographer based in Montana. Alex has amassed over 2 million followers through telling visual stories. In this episode we talk about curiosity, adventure and designing your own life. Hello Alex. Yo, Adam. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely great to have you, dude. Been really looking forward to this. I've followed your work for a long time now and yeah, it's just great to sit down and chat. So should you always play by the rules? <laughs> should you always play by the rules? Wow, we're just jumping in. Um, no, obviously. And why? Because I think you should be aware of what the rules are and what the consequences are of not following the rules. And once you've, you're okay with that, then you can make your own decisions. I'm not saying you go out and murder people, right? I'm <laughs> saying that <laughs> this is a creative podcast, right? So I'm applying this to creativity. And um, I think that not following the rules can lead to finding things about yourself or others. And what have you found about yourself by not playing along by the rules? Yeah, that no matter what, how complicated the goal is or how many people say it's impossible, there's a thousand ways to do something, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you follow the traditional path the one that's been forged before you might just end up on a sure way to disappointment or boredom but if you start thinking about where people are not looking what people are not doing then it's kind of like you're sort of considering the game as having several games within one game and that's when it gets exciting for me is uh, when i feel like i'm some sort of outlier trying to do new things uh, and you know, you just tell that to yourself, but you know that we're all the same and nobody's coming up with anything new. We're just recycling things. And it's all about getting this feeling though, of like, I am doing something different and this is going to be awesome. Although you just, most of the time you're kind of, you know, being delusional because somebody's done it that way in the past, but you don't know about it. And that doesn't matter. What matters is that you get the feeling that you're being unique and you're being yourself. So that's interesting because as a kind of an adventure photographer, the kinds of things you take pictures of, it's not like they're ever changing because it's like, say, for example, if it's a mountain, that mountain's been there for millions (laughs) of years and a million people have seen that from potentially the exact same angle. How do you approach that in a way that you can kind of make your own mark on it or make it slightly different? So people will say you have to be better Then the next step is that you have to be different and then maybe the ultimate step uh, and this is something that I agree with that my uh, my buddy Chase Jarvis talks about is just doing things that only you can do. Mm-hmm. And this is a theory, right? So how can we approach this photo of a mountain in a way that only you can do? Yep. So you, it's a scary question to tackle. Don't try to tackle it head on like that. But think more about what you like doing. How do you get, what do you, what, why are you in that mountain, right? So for, you start with that question and then why am I, why am I on that mountain? Well, I am attracted to heights. I like to continue going up for no reason. And I like to have the adrenaline of exercise and of being somewhere where I probably shouldn't be. So that's my why. So then I can start infusing some elements into the photo. So what if I'm there because I shouldn't be there? Uh, Why shouldn't I be there? Is it dangerous? Is it a thunderstorm? Is there something going on? So then I can start 
picking on what to focus on. Um, one of the things I like to do, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about not playing by the rules, is to go up to mountains, to take that as an example, um, <laughs> at the worst time possible. So kind of get up there for sunset. We were actually talking to Chase Jarvis recently um, on this podcast. Oh, beautiful. And um, one thing he talks a lot about is designing your own life. I feel like that's mm. something that you've done really well. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's, I've, 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 we've talked about that together for sure. It's like doing a, a life that you think is what you want to do. And it takes a, a little bit of crazy to think that, yeah, I'm going to do my life and um, this is going to be my script and it's going to be unique to me and I'm going to get there. So uh, that's, again, not playing by the rules because if you tell that to most people, they'll be like, yeah, sure, but you got to get a job, man. Like, okay. So it takes a little bit of crazy. It takes a bit of a reality distortion field, kind of like Steve Jobs' distortion field <laughs> to believe you can do that, right? But it's all about getting small wins, just one thing at a time. But keeping your eye on the prize, I think that for me has been the biggest lesson is knowing where I'm going. Say on, on that topic then, going back to being a graphic design student, how do you go from being a graphic design student to someone who takes amazing photos all around the world? By accident. Yeah, it's not something that I planned to do. And then this is, again, learning about yourself. I just realized that I was good at selling things, selling ideas. Whatever it is that I'm selling, as long as I'm interested in it and I believe in it, I can probably have a good shot at selling that. So I ended up finding that it took a lot of effort to sell graphic design and it took less effort to sell photography. <laughs> and I, I had a pretty good grasp on how to make photos. I wasn't a very good designer. So I was like, I enjoy being outside more than working on my on Illustrator on a tablet. So why not just make photos for people instead? I, I was following already an interest. Like there was already taking a few studio classes. So I was just going door to door in Quebec City, uh, where I was studying at the time and knocking on people's doors and like, hey, you want um, photos of whatever you're selling here? I like this store. Um, and it was genuine interest. I wouldn't go into any store. I would just go into stores that I thought were cool and um, pitching them like that. And would you go to them with a portfolio or were you going in cold? No, just just to sell, man. Just, <laughs> just connecting with them. I had no idea. I was just like, you look like a good guy. Let's talk. Or you just, yeah, you, whatever you're doing looks interesting. Tell me about it. And we'd talk for two hours. I had no agenda. And then by the end, you know, like, you need to come back with some, my camera next time. And, you know, this is how much it's going to cost. And sometimes they'd say, yes, they give me a shot. Just like that. Just like this university kid from friends. <laughs> what gave you the confidence to do that? Because I know a lot of people would love to be able to go and take photos for someone, but they would never go and work for someone else for free. Like, what gave you the confidence to go in there and just be like, look, I'm just going to do this? Again, knowing about yourself. So um, I realized that the things that your parents tell you about yourself, oh, when you were a kid, you were X, Y, or Z. I think that's what makes your sort of uniqueness and your interesting parts. So I always heard from my family that I would not sp I'd spend zero time at the house and I would spend, I could hang out with somebody who's 55, my neighbors who was 55 years old and I'd be 10 years old or eight. Mm -hmm. And I could spend all day with the neighbors who's 55 and learn about whatever he was doing, sort of a documentary approach with no camera, just mental documentation. Okay, what are you doing here? Okay, tell me about it. So just curious. And I could spend time with my friends who are my age or time with people who are 25. Like I, I could really hang out with anybody just because I was curious and I just could listen. I just ask questions and I would listen. <laughs> That's it. And I would sort of reply something mildly intelligent to continue the conversation. But just by knowing yourself, I was able to know that 
my curiosity could really allow me to do anything. That's it. So I could walk in there and ask them. I could talk, right? We could just talk. And then I didn't feel like we were at a place where I could ask something and they could say yes after talking together. So one thing you said before that I think that I just love is to say creative, <laughs> you need to keep moving forward. What do you mean by that? Oh, if you're not progressing, I think like in life you need one of the basic needs you have is progression, right? In any field. So if you're tired with the field you're in, let's say you're a painter and you're tired with painting, then you can start making films, for example, right? That doesn't matter. Just as long as you're expressing yourself, I've been cooking a lot during quarantine <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I felt a lot of progression in that field. And that was what keeps me excited. And I haven't picked up the camera for two months just because I've been progressing in cooking. So, yeah, if you're not getting progression out of something, you're not, you've done what you had to do, right? Like, you, the interest is gone. So it's you go through phases, right? Some phases I don't want to shoot photos, like quarantine, two months, I haven't shot photos. It doesn't mean I'm not a photographer anymore. It just means that I took a break and I can come back now. I'm going to do a shoot today, in fact. What's the shoot you've got today, if you can tell us about that? Mm. Shooting a uh, film for a um, camera brand that is dropping a line of products. Ah, cool. Yeah, 24 hours. I'm going to go camping and then um, get sunrise tomorrow, then um, shoot some more, then go to a climbing wall and shoot there and come back. That's the, that's the game plan. Boom. So from kind of going door to door and like taking photos like for people in their shops... How did you transition into leaving home and going on an adventure? What do you mean leaving home by leaving the family cocoon or leaving your house? Like leaving kind of a university, your kind of like graphic oh. design world and moving off into... Mm. Yeah, I had one more class to do. I never finished really uh, university. I was missing a class. There was a deciding factor where I sold a photo to Microsoft, which um, I came up with this idea one summer and I took a photo of Andrea, my now wife, my girlfriend at the time. And she had this concept. I don't know how he came up with it. I was thinking about it and it's like, I want to take, there was no drones back then, but I wanted to take a photo flat down of a pool. Yeah. It's like just blue. And I wanted Andrea to fall back on her back, looking at the camera, but in a graceful manner, which is hard. So I shot that photo, put it on 500 PX with a million keywords. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then nothing happened for a year. And then one day somebody wants to buy it and they work for an agency that works for another agency that works for Microsoft. So that sort of injection of, I to this day, I've still never sold a photo for that much money. <laughs> and, I was, and I wasn't even a photographer. Uh, so these were probably the old days. I don't think that's going to happen again, that this kind of budgets for one photo, but they wanted it for the campaign as a flagship photo for their Microsoft Surface. So... Wardwell licensing, exclusive, 24 months, the whole, yeah, the whole, the whole, yeah, the whole spiel. And um, that gave us funds to travel for uh, one year full time across the world. So that's, yeah, when I sold that photo, I was like, all right, we're moving out to Vancouver. I want to see what the West looks like. I want to see the mountains of Canada this time. Uh, and then she was like, yeah, sure. And then we kind of based there for a bit and then started traveling more. So a lot of people take the money from Microsoft, travel for a year but then not really turn that into anything. What do you think it was that made you want to document things in such a way that could become a career? It, it wasn't my plan. Again, it, uh, I was just interested in seeing new places and showing these places according to my vision of the world, like to my view of the world. Yeah. So just showing, I would go to Chile, for example, as an example. And I was like, well, I'd like to see Patagonia and I'd like to see the desert, yeah. Atacama Desert. Cool. And then I was like, what is interesting to me here? 
and then I would just try and shoot that and put it on Instagram and on my website. I think what people really enjoyed is the narrative of the captions, right? It's like people underestimate them. Mm -hmm. So just like, yeah, here's this couple. Everybody can relate to that, right? Everybody's a, everybody's a couple mostly. Mm -hmm. And um, here's this couple who are starting the world and they're doing something that we haven't seen on Instagram before. Back in the days, there's no, nobody was really doing that on Instagram. And we didn't invent anything. It was just wasn't the place for that. It was family photos. It was kind of random filtered photos. So we were just bringing that to the table and it was a cool narrative. It's like, oh yeah, this French, this French couple, they're in Quebec, they're in Vancouver, they're in Morocco, they're in Chile. It's like, what's going on? So just this narrative of like being really excited about being somewhere and telling people that make them wanna, made them want to go along. And what makes a good story? Hmm. What makes a good story? Well, I don't know if I'm capacitated to, 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 to talk about, I think writers do such a good job yeah. of that, much better than I can do. Uh, about telling stories because they play with the medium and I've been writing a bit more during quarantine but I think a story that is good is one that is worth talking about <laughs> okay so not to dodge your question but, um, <laughs> was it Benjamin Franklin that said that that you either want to be writing about something that you did or uh, writing about something worth doing or doing something worth writing yeah. about yeah so that to me is a story is like there's got to be some some stakes. There's got to be personal component. There's got to be something that relates to the audience. It's something that you learn, right? Like the best writers didn't become writers by accident. Yeah. So I've been studying that. Um, Stephen King actually has a really good book called On Writing. And he talks about that. And essentially, he is crazy in a way that he's, he claims, he claims that his characters sometimes escape his own control. So he'll say he'll build a character and say doesn't believe in plots. So he's like this character has this certain traits. Mm -hmm. This is what he does, and then based on that, he lets the character becomes who he wants. I think it's quite fascinating because it's still coming from his head. Yeah. But he says sometimes he ends up somewhere he doesn't know he was going to end up, and it's kind of like that on a story. You start somewhere and you don't know where you're going to end up. But I think at the root of a good story, the audience is transformed. So you kind of all get together inside this train car right at one station and then you're going to come out all together at a different station and there's no going back that to me is what at the end makes a good story i think that's a really really interesting way to look at stories because if you do create good characters it's like well what would these characters do what kind of things could happen to these characters whereas if you try and force people into a box then it's never going to be as unique as it could be i think that's almost quite a good metaphor for a lot of people in the way that they use social media and the fact that they don't come out with their own voice, they try to fit into someone else's box. How important mm. is it to have your own voice and be unique? Oh, man. Well, obviously, it's important, right? We can hammer that all, all we want. The, the issue is telling people how to do that, right? So Because you can tell somebody, have your own voice, be yourself. Yeah. But it's hard to go act on that. It's like, who am I? So um, there's this there's this thing called the passion test. It's it's on a book that's called the passion test. If you're into this kind of things, the the book itself uh, is not. You don't have to read the whole book mm -hmm. to get the value out of it. I think the beginning is there, but it's really helps you find who, you know who you are, what you're into. You know, and I think the prompt is in an ideal life, I am. Dot, dot, dot. You fill that yeah. up, right? And then you can 15 questions and you start and you 15 answers to that questions. They give you prompts on like, where are you? Who are you with? What are you doing every day? So that 
doing exercises like that, just like digging in digging in, in techniques to find who you are, I think is the biggest thing. And a lot of people just find out by trying, right? They got to try a lot of things. So again, it comes out to knowing yourself and having this, keeping your mind open and sort of analyzing what's going on through your mind. I tend to go really fast sometimes and I forget to even analyze what happens through my mind. Yeah. But just like, this is what something I've learned is like, wait, okay, why am I thinking that way? Why am I reacting that way? And then that gives you, again, things about yourself. So it comes down to, knowing who you are um, as best you can. You can never really fully know unless you've gone through long sessions of psychoanalysis with uh, doctors, I think. Yeah. But you can get a good grasp. And just being aware of that, being open to that is the first step. So whether it's buying a book like this or doing, like, there's probably hundreds of books on that. Just trying to explore it. Another thing you said before that, again, I, I really like is, I'd rather do it second, but do it right. What do you mean by that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you've done really good research. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd rather, I think the context was like, I'd rather be, you know, be the second to show up somewhere or do something, but do it right. Um, that means to me that the value, isn't in, the value isn't always in doing something for the first time or going somewhere for the first time. If you're into adventure photography, it could be this race to get to the most unique yeah. locations. But I learned that the, the, what you're doing there is just being really good at research. And that's a really good skill, but that's just called a researcher. So I'd rather be later on the train and actually do it right and tell the proper story of that place versus just being the first one f for the sake of it. I think that it's not the best way to add value as a photographer. What is the best way to add value? I mean, for me, it's about being open. It's about just helping. I think one of my if not my goal and, and what I do is obviously sure is having really good clients and have them happy, but it's really giving as much as I can to the sort of audience, the people who are out there trying to make a living as photographers. That's why I make all these workshops, right? Is to to teach people how to be the, the best photographer they can be or the best businessman they can be. Um, I get something that cannot be measured out of that, out of doing that. Uh, and I don't do it for that reason, but the, sort of the, the end product is that that i get people i get to help people be their yeah make the best work and that i think is the best way i can add value uh because i i'm not the best photographer in the world right far from that but i can i can have this empathy for them and, and tell them how i do things or how they can do things that not everyone has so again it just comes to coming to knowing yourself so when it comes to to that providing value who, who are you aiming your content at? Are you aiming it at other photographers so you can help them learn and grow? Or are you aiming it at people who are maybe looking and thinking, oh, maybe I would like to go to one of those places? Mm. It's it's not necessarily like I'm calculating who that is for and, and like in the day-to-day -day sort of social media. Um, but if I have a message, it's to sort of, go do it and go try, right? And that's kind of the story arc. I talk about story arc a lot. So it's like, you know, when people attend some of our, my workshops, I'm like, we go through this exercise of what is your story arc? Because if I, I feel like nowadays it's important, thanks to social media or blaming social media, depends how you see it, that it's important that photographers, filmmakers, whatever, share their story arc through their work. It's got to be intertwined, right? It's like sort of mixed personality work, that has appeared and they have to intertwine the personal story with whatever they do just because 
it creates a connection with the audience, right? So talking more to the audience, no matter the size of it, right? When I say the audience, it could just be a thousand people. It's fine. As long as they're there and somebody gets back to you, that's an audience. So that is to me, a, yeah, a key thing is infusing your work with your story so people can relate to that. I'm all about, you know, there's four personality traits, I think, or five. I just know that I'm the relator, right? Mm -hmm. So I like to relate with people. That's why I can talk to somebody who's 90 years old or somebody who's 10 years old. We can have a conversation. We'll just, because all I'm doing is I'm always looking for for things we have in common versus looking for the differences we have. And there's there's people, my wife is the opposite. She's always looking for the differences. Like, oh, this person is different than us. And this it's a necessity. It's also a skill because I tend to only see the best in people. Yeah. But you need a balance. But at least knowing that's who you are then helps you adjust your work to that. So earlier you mentioned research. And one thing I found really interesting whilst researching you was the fact that you don't always use the internet to decide where you want to go. Yeah, I do a lot of reading. I try to spend 45 minutes a day reading a book and another 30 minutes reading a magazine, usually after lunch. Uh, have a little coffee, and then I just can grab a random magazine that I get. I, su- I subscribe to every adventure, photography, or outdoors magazine ev- known to me. So I <laughs> magazines, everyday magazines show up, right? And I just see it as, a, as an expense. It's, it's, just, it's a necessity for me to know what is out there and what stories are being told. So if there's something you can gather from this is like to subscribe to a few magazines because you're supporting an industry that is awesome and kind of on lab support and you're also getting a lot of value for yourself to differentiate your work because you're exposing yourself to a lot of stories the best way to become a good storyteller is a newsflash to read a lot of stories right so i'll say that yeah it's 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 the biggest thing you can do is keep tabs on other stories and then that's where i'll find a lot of my ideas is either sometimes I'm reading a book and I'm got my phone out and start googling the locations and Google Maps. I'm hearing about these. I read a lot of adventure yeah. books. I'm like, what's this plateau in in Tajikistan? There's a plateau with this lake they're describing. Let me check it out. And then I'm just doesn't even appear on Google Maps. So then I gotta go find the coordinates. <laughs> and I'll go down this rabbit hole for ten minutes just to find this lake. And I'm like, wow, here's one blurry photo on Google Images, and that's it. So this is legit, right? So I'm just going to go and add it to my list on Google Maps, and that's it. One day, when I'm close to it, I'll go. So it's, it's like a constant, I'm constantly adding to my database of locations passively. But rarely, rarely I'm just going online and start looking for places. They just kind of come to me because I'm exposing myself to them. I think one thing that's kind of a thread that's tied the way all the way through this conversation so far is curiosity. Like you seem like a really, really curious person. Where where is that curiosity come from? Yeah, I don't know. Childhood, because I've always been curious. I could spend hours asking somebody about things and just listening. I think it it comes from wanting to know how people live and how people do things. But it's been the greatest asset of my career, I think, or life is just being curious because it people love talking about things they like doing so just from there I, you can make friends anywhere you yeah go. i think curiosity is like one of the most powerful like tools available do you reckon it's something you can teach or do you reckon it's just something that's within you man i have never come across a book that does that make good exercise i'm sure you can learn it yeah i think it's um my great grandpa i mean it probably runs in the family because my great grandpa said that everything is interesting 
as long as you're interested in it. Love that. Right? Everything becomes interesting as long as you start being interested in it. And that's uh, Mr. Pierre Stroll who said that in the 1900s, uh, but something that my dad told me. And yeah, he's really curious. He's, he just likes looking at a lot of different things and keeping informed. So maybe he runs in the family. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing you've talked about before is batching. Like you like to batch things to make them more efficient. How important is efficiency in your life? It's unleashing the inner Tim Ferriss, <laughs> batching, batching my dishes. Efficiency is important because I like to maximize. I'm, I'm kind of a maximizer, not in in like I'm going to hoard things or get a lot of something just because I don't want to, you know, not have it. But I like to maximize time so and be very intentional. So if I'm going to go edit, I want to be able to do one session and finish it all at once versus kind of jumping in, jumping out. Same with emailing. I just like to be either on or off, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm on, I'm just going to smash through it. And if I'm off, I'm not even thinking about it. So it's it's a mix of intention and, and, and efficiency that I always seek. And it, it's recommendable to a certain degree. It has its downsides. But just thinking on how you can be more sort of efficient in your day to make time for the things that matter to you, right? Because then you come to the question is like, why am I freeing all this time for? What am I doing with this free time? So then as long as you have something you're doing, just because I want to build a shelf with a hammer and some wood, right? That's cool. Like if you just want to do woodworking and you want to clear up your time for that, then yeah, for sure be efficient. But if you have nothing you want to do with your time, then there's no reason for it. So again, it comes down to your goals. But efficiency has been, it's useful to me in because it just gives me a lot of time after to kind of again follow curiosity and just waste time doing seemingly uninteresting or unimportant things <laughs> but you got to take ownership of your time to be able to do that otherwise you're never going to go down this rabbit hole so what kind of things do you do when you're not taking photos apart from obviously now mm. baking <laughs> yeah baking um exercise i exercise a lot several times a week i like to go um, on some sort of mountain climbs or road biking Anything that makes me feel tired, I love it. So uh, I spend a lot of time exercising, time reading, and um, thanks to COVID, I guess, a lot of time on the phone, talking to a lot of people, maybe five, six, seven calls a day that are pretty long. And I love it. I'm talking with clients. I'm, I'm just talking, right? <laughs> I'm always, uh, like, again, comes back to the curiosity, but yeah, I'm spending a lot of time interacting mm -hmm. There, is, there isn't a day where I don't have at least a few calls. Maybe I'm trying to, to feel busy, but I, there's always something. There's, there's no downside to having a call with somebody, right? As long as you both want to have yeah. this call, go do yeah, it. Yeah, I've been doing that a lot recently. Like I've just been kind of talking to people on LinkedIn and just been like, should we have a Zoom coffee break, coffee date? Like it sounds there you so go. Weird. That's smart. Yeah. I feel like two months ago, I would have thought that was the weirdest thing ever. But now... I'm just networking with loads of people who also I feel like it's a really efficient back to efficiency it's an efficient way to network because you can look through find someone who might be interesting and beneficial to you where you can like start a relationship with this person and you're going to benefit each other instead of going to a networking event with a room full of people and then going around hoping that you find someone who you could work together with so it is a really nice way to just kind of connect with people who you have those similar connections and People who you feel like, I should know you. Yeah, a lot of people have more time for that, I think. Clients or just people you're in the media. So I think this is a golden time to make go build trust, right? 
you may not be able to sort of get a lot of projects going because you know budgets are budgets are either tight or frozen but you're going to be able to start building trust and that should be the goal just good build trust add value talk see how you can help and you know, don't have any sort of specific agenda right yeah. now. It's more about just talking, building trust. And I feel like trust is probably like the biggest asset that you can possibly have with someone. It's like without trust, there is there is nothing there. I mean, yeah, our society is relies on that. 100%, right? Without trust, you're not getting in your car because you know somebody's going to crash into you or yeah. not, right? So there's a, this is society is like a spider web of trust. So if you can extend the same thing to your clients and your peers, then you're... I mean, you're in a very good place. So talking about crashing cars, um, you said, when things go wrong, that's when I take better photos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For anybody who goes on some adventure, an adventure usually begins when the things, things go wrong, right? So you set out for this hike or whatever and then the trail is closed and you have to take a massive detour. I'm just simplifying it. Take a massive detour and then you run into a bear. Then it's another detour and then... You're way late and it's starting to rain, right? So what do you do? Uh, do you keep going? Do you assess? Uh, and whatever you do, that's when I, I feel like, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I get things, are, things are not going well. I can get my camera out and I can start making photos. Uh, just because it, it gives, again, it comes back to the stories you want to tell. And I think that that's where your story is beginning. It's like we are going to be transformed and so is the audience going to be. I feel like, yeah, a good story arc generally starts with someone who's kind of on the lower end of things then they're going through a bit of turmoil <laughs> and then something bad happens and then the story continues and things just get better and better and better that is like the yeah that's the hollywood thing right there is a there's a plan uh, and then that plan doesn't go well so then how does the hero adapt right there's a really good screenwriting book actually called uh, save the cat by, by blake schneider if you've read it but it talks about the the hollywood plots right like the typical hollywood plot and it's it's in every you can't you couldn't you can't watch movies after having read that yeah. book you're like oh again there it is again <laughs> and it, there is like he calls that beats you know there's like a next beat in your scenario moving on from the beats so obviously it's kind of shakespearean but like you know you have the three-part story with like the challenge in the middle and then the resolution at the end but that was invented from real life like from real life examples so what was it that made you want to start running workshops I think just answering the questions that people have, right? When people are curious, I really want to help them out. And it's kind of hard to do it on Instagram DMs yeah. or emails daily. So I was like, let me just make a once and for all answer. And I can just link these guys to this product. And if they want it, they get it. So it's really simple as that. It's just like help these guys out, get the answers they want, right? The workshops were built on based, like on, on real world questions. And they're built so that, there's, there's no room for more questions and theories. Yeah. Like it, the answer is there. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to take time and empathy to put myself in your shoes just so you can move forward, right? Like, I mean, I always say that the workshops will save you years of, of struggling. <laughs> and it's good to struggle, right? So you will get for sure struggles, but it will shortcut what your struggles are and you'll know how to adapt to situations much better through my own experiences. So the reason I did them is just to help these guys fast track their careers mm. and it's it's kind of a catchy word but it essentially just means that they are just better equipped with the knowledge to pitch clients to edit their photos to build the story arcs to 
you know, about composition. It's like the toolkit, right? It's like, what's in your toolkit? Stephen King talks about the, tool, the toolkit, right? Like, what's the tools you have at your disposal? With the workshops, I wanted to add more tools for these guys. And you started to do workshops as well with other people as well now. How important is it to have, like, a community of other photographers, other creatives around you? Oh, it's huge. People should cultivate that. I started from the premise that I don't know everything, obviously. Mm -hmm. So why try to answer everything? It's like people want to know about storytelling. Well, I know the right person for that. And then so on and so forth. People want to know about finding your style. I know the right person. Benjamin Hardman, storytelling, Finn Beals. And these are our friends, right? So it's about having these adventures together and putting them in a place where they can explain to people what they do in the best way possible. That to me is this community piece that I think is huge. It's something we don't do enough. It's like this photography is this sort of lone wolf mentality of world. Yeah, and we should be more open to people, right? So that was my way of putting myself out there is like, guys, I'm doing this. Do you want to do it together? You know, let's partner on this. And it's been the best thing I've ever decided to do. And building, just building that community initially pre this workshop happening, how important is it to just have other creatives around you? Man, it's massive, right? So just to travel, every 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 time I'd go on a different to a different country, I'd just find someone there to show me around. Who's the local, right? People would be keen to show me around their their place, how they live, and it comes to this curiosity. But it's like, I don't want to have the tourism experience. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I would just don't think it's going to add the photos. It's not going to create the images I want. So I was like, who's the local that's here? I'm just go down to hashtags. I go down geotags. Yeah. I go down Google, and I find the local there, and then it's somebody who you have something in common, right? Like we're both on Instagram. We both take photos for sure. We're going to have a good time, right? Like we, we're going to have, yeah, and it's always been, it's always turned out great when I've reached out to people like that. Like, let's go on this thing together. So that's how I met most of the guys I'm doing workshops with is just through that local outreach. Hey, I'm going to the UK or Hey, I'm going your way. You know, do you want to hang? We've been talking on Instagram for years, yeah. right? So uh, you need to be out. You need to be active on Instagram. You need to be fostering community and finding people you respect and whose work you love and interact in a meaningful way with these people to build community. I mean, that's like the tactic is that, right? It's just find people you like their work and that you respect and then just be active there. Just, just pick your battles, but build community around that. And I think it's one of the, the big things you can do as a photographer is to build a community. What is it about someone else's work that would make you stop and think, I love that. I would like to get to know that person. Uh, when it's different, when it looks like it's 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 something I've never seen before. It's like, well, this person has really mm, find out who, who they are, what are they trying to say, and they have a vision there. I want to hear it. So it's a visual, it's a visual impact that they're creating on their own, with their own means. And it's something that instantly you recognize who the author of the image yeah. is and how important is that to have a unique style that is just definitely you i mean it is something that takes a lifetime to achieve yeah. i think and it is really difficult because we all want to imitate at the beginning but the next step is to it's you have to imitate i think at the beginning it's normal but you have to quickly jump to your own lane i get on your own lane because a lot of people just end up in the trap of imitating new things and chasing new styles and whatever's new and hot. And then they can't last too long mm. doing that, right? They're going to burn out. They're not going to feel progression. There's not going to be, it's like, well, am I doing this? For what reason am I doing all of this, right? So at some point it's going to catch up to them and they're not going to feel satisfied. So 
having your style is is huge but if we break down to what having a style is is again is just showing your view of the world through your images right whether it is what you photograph in the content or the way you present it or the way you yeah the way you edit it as that's presentation so it doesn't have to be this very complex thing it just has to be the things you see because if you and i go for a walk we're not going to see the same things right if you and i go for the same walk you're going to see something and i'm going to notice something different so that's mm. it that, that's who you are so the more you go and put yourself in experiences with other people you go to things together you realize that wow this is really different this is another way that they see the world and this is my way so then you keep learning about yourself through these experiences from someone who's like met so many creatives now what do you think the biggest thing that creatives in general struggle with there's two things there's a I hang out with a lot of professional creatives yeah. and I think the biggest struggle, the biggest struggle is finding clients that fit what they want to do from my perspective, right? That's the one that is the most brought up, but the one that is not brought up, but I think it's as equally as important or more is sort of finding your identity and, and building a body of work that represents who you are. And that's something that people less talk about less because it's record. You put yourself out there, you're more vulnerable, it's a deeper conversation, but it's something that I, I know is in the back of the mind of a lot of creatives, including myself. So back to the first point you mentioned there, like we've had people message us before with a very similar question about the fact that they've got a specific style, they've created a body of work. But yeah, how do you find clients that match, match your vision or how you can persuade to come along on the ride with you? You have to study them, do your homework, biggest thing. And I'm just releasing a new workshop actually called uh, the, Res the Photographer's Guide to Resiliency. So it's very coronavirus an anchored in that. And it's going to be a free workshop, by the way. It's free. You just got to put your email and get it for free or name your price. I don't know what it is. Is this out now? Essentially, it's uh, no yet. No yet. It's going to come out. And this is the first time I've said it publicly. Ah. That's cool. So it's, yeah, dropping announcements on Adam's podcast. Yeah. So one of the parts that I talk about in there is the uh, homework. So when you go out now and go talk to these clients, you have to do research on who they are and what makes the brand special, right? First, and then what makes the brand special and what makes the uh, person you're talking to, like what, who, they, who are they as well? So you got to do all this research, like the same research you did before talking to me. You got to do that the same with the clients you're going to talk to. It doesn't mean you're going to go track them in their Facebook pages. Right? It's more like <laughs> creepy, what, right? have they, what have they put on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah what, what have they put on LinkedIn? Well, you know, what are they about? And if there's nothing, there's nothing. That's fine. Sometimes it's just nothing. But if there is things, then you can have things to talk about, right? And then with the brands, it's doing the homework, right? Let's say you want to do work with mountain bikes, for example. There's like 25, 250 mountain bike brands yeah. in the world minimum. I mean. <laughs> so there is going to be one or 10 that are going to be closer to your sort of visual style, right? So find out who these are, find out their history, what they exist, what are they into, what have they been publishing lately on their blog, on their YouTube, on their social. Spend half an hour, an hour on that and write it all down. And then you can have 10 brands there that you can start reaching out to. And then you actually have done your homework and you can have a proper conversation with them and they're going to hear that you're serious and that you mean business, right? That's going to set you apart. Instead of just blindly copy and pasting the same email to 20, 250 brands, that's not going to get you anywhere. And what makes a good email approach to someone? Something tight, short, to the point. Here's who I am. I've spent the last years doing X, Y, Z. <laughs> this is why I'm reaching out. This is my work. And this is what I have for you. 
and is how it benefits you. So six lines. And say you're approaching a brand. There could obviously be hundreds of people working in that company. Would you just send it to the info at email or would you try and find out exactly who it needs to be? No, I mean, the first thing you want to do is get an intro, right? If you can get an intro, if you've cultivated enough, you can start today, but then you're going to reap in the seeds, you know, you can, the seeds you plant, you'll get these flowers when they're out. But if you start cultivating this, this community right now, or if you started before, you can start, you'll be connected in the, in the industry, in the industry you're in. If you're in the outdoors or into fashion, into travel, whatever, whatever your industry is, you'll have connections there. So you can be like, Hey, do you know somebody at X brand to this other client you work with? And of course they're, they're happy to introduce you if you're just polite and you've done a good job for them they'll introduce you this is the best route if you can't then yeah you're going to start to find get crafty so i don't recommend sending to the info at no um it's it might work but it's just like a long it's like a detour so i'd rather find who the person is that does the digital or the content and then just find their contact read some interviews they've done so i have material yeah. on them either on a high profile company and then find their email on all these websites, like find that lead or get that lead or on LinkedIn, but just be polite and know that these guys get 100 emails <laughs> yeah. a minute. People who work at these companies, they have this massive change. They don't use Slack yet in the big companies. So they're overwhelmed with their email. So if they don't get back to you the first time, it's not because they hate you or they think you're an idiot. It's just because they haven't seen your email or they've seen it and then they forgot about it. So keep trying. <laughs> So keep trying be tight have your pipeline and then take notes and then reach out every week to this person and then until they shut you down or they get back to you i mean if you have after seven eight emails nobody's getting back to you you know that it's you know not the right time right now but it's timing is a big thing and you can have the best idea with the best contact but if the timing yeah. is not right it's not going to work yeah and that, and that doesn't mean that it's a bad idea as well that just means that maybe no. try again at another point Exactly. It's just timing. So it's a, it's, it's a game of odds. You need, it's a, typically it's a 30% success rate. So if you have 10 projects you're trying to do, 10, or 10 brands you're pitching, you might convert three. That's what I found. Would you say that's just because you've achieved a level of portfolio and success so far that it's a three out of 10? Or would you say if someone's getting started now, it would be a three out of 10? I think it's a pretty similar for most yeah. people. Because like I said, it's not only the quality of your work, it's like all these elements that are outside of your control and you can control everything you're not the master of the universe so no i found that it's pretty much across the board awesome what would you say the best piece of advice you've ever been given is hmm right from my grandpa it's like a do what you said you were going to do Boom. that's it <laughs> simple as that there is a there's this is so simple i feel like there's two types of people in the world the ones who do what they said they're going to do and the ones who don't and that's that's what i want to work with is the people who actually said they want to do something and they do it and yeah I, I just have low tolerance for the latter like people who don't act on what they've said they were going to do so it comes also down to commit to knowing yourself and i know a lot of people are just trying to be nice and they want to help you and they want yeah. to commit and but i'd rather get a no it's like no we can't do that right now sorry or this is what's going to take then we're not wasting time right that's the biggest thing so i always try to to, that's one of the biggest things is just to be reliable on that and so then uh, then you yeah you have to be comfortable saying no though boom thank you so much for this really appreciate your time where can people find you online um oh thanks man it's been a nice conversation you can find me on alexstroll.com uh, the workshops are on stroll.works obviously that's the old instagram at alexstroll and the youtube alexstroll i'd say uh, check out the youtube that's where the 
think a lot of interesting stuff is right now. Thanks so much for listening. If you get any value from these episodes, it would mean the world to us if you could share the podcast with someone who needs it. You can always reach out to us on Instagram at rebelscreate or head over to creativerebels.co. And remember, always be creating. See ya.